0: All right, uh, so hey Luke, we're let's look around here. Okay, it's uh, a little bit cold, roof is a little bit too high, seats are strangely upright, and, and a real lack of padding a, on them as well. <laughs> lack of padding, there's a few random books around, lying around, um, mostly old people around us, not many people. Not many, many people. people, to be honest. A few, there's a few seats free. There uh, must be a uh, COVID capacity situation going be. on here. <laughs> uh, is, that a ta- is that a tabernacle? It's, uh, yeah, it is. I think we're in a church. Praise be. Praise be, Luke. Praise be. Blessed be the fruit. Remember, I think even on this podcast, you referred to the altar as the stage, which, <laughs> <laughs> which shows just how far away from religion we've gone. <laughs> I, it's a stage. I used to be an altar boy on that stage. And uh, now look look at me. It's a stage. It's a stage. It kind of reminds me of a TV show of this really, I can't remember which one it was, but a really unsporty kid was being made to play like hockey. And he was getting his thing on, and his dad comes in and he goes, This costume doesn't fit. <laughs> it's a costume. <laughs> a costume. When I do see a priest in action, though, I do think he's not even trying to be entertaining. He's just yeah. going about his business. There's no gags. There's no sizzle. Yeah. If we were priests, we would absolutely nail it. <laughs> Pardon the the pun. <laughs> he's, uh, he's reading from a book. He hasn't even learned his lines. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he's drunk on the job. What's going on? He's drinking. <laughs> so today we're talking about bold religious claims. Uh, stay tuned after the uh, intro music to hear what that's about. Welcome to another What's That About? Don, it was a long time since we've been in a church It has been, <laughs> been a long time It's been a few years for me, yourself? Oh, probably the same I reckon it would have been a, a Christmas a few years ago When mum dragged me along, I reckon So just, let's just preface this now With the fact that we are not religious And we don't want to just sound like one of those podcasts With this two atheists paying out religious stuff But it will be a little bit like that, I'd say <laughs> just, What do you think? Oh, I guess all we're saying is we understand religion is a sensitive subject, but if you reckon Jesus has talked to you through a piece of toast, you're a little bit of a silly sausage. That's the... Yeah, I think... <laughs> you're a silly duffer. That's what we're saying. Yeah. You are misguided is what we're saying. Yeah, I'm sure you've got other lovely qualities. Yeah, no, so we'll, we'll, we'll try and be respectful. We're not religious. We know a lot of people that are religious. Our mum's religious. Hey mum, but... It's it's a good thing she stopped listening uh, about two years ago. She's never going (laughs) to hear this, so it's fine. (laughs) So we're looking at, you know, big religious claims. So this isn't like the everyday religious stuff. It's when someone talks in tongues, has the stigmata, you know, a faith healing, you know, that kind of stuff is what we're going to look at today. Yeah, so gee, church is boring. It just it just has really brought up all these <laughs> memories of just how boring church is. Now, remember what we had to do was we were so bored we had to kind of look at the other people in the church and then just try and think of what vegetable they most looked like. There was a there was an absolute spot on baked potato in there. It was unbelievable. <laughs> in a jacket, there's a, there's, a, there's a point where it's almost like a parade of people going down to get communion and then walking past us, and the game was who would be on the front foot that person's a sultana that person is a you know that one's a potato that one's a baked potato it was a, yeah. it, it well, was a game of one it got abstract that that's a bag of frozen peas in there <laughs> <laughs> was, she was lovely she was lovely um <laughs> i just think if you had to design a situation to be as boring as possible. Yeah. The mass hits every one of those points. Like it, and you can't even get comfortable. Kneel down, stand up, kneel down, stand up. <laughs> Awkward shake of hands with people. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really. It's, There's it's, not much it's going for it. There's not, like. not much nah, going for it. What is going for it? A little <laughs> snack and a drink. That's about all there is to it. <laughs> we weren't going to cause offense, but we've just uh, ripped apart the entire ritual that holds the faith together. <laughs> Before we get into the actual topic, though i got a little pet, few pet peeves of my own this week Ah, oh, great Bring it on This first one is a, is it, It's been, you know Kind of grinding my gears for a while hmm. Is when I ring someone who runs their own business Often they're a yep. tradie And I ring them And often it's a mobile number And they answer it And all they say is Yep And I go "Oh, <laughs> get it, mate Just uh, wondering if I could get a quote on fixing this pipe out the back That's, you know, burst And then they'll say something like Oh, uh, yeah, no, I might be able to do that. And then I, as the customer, am left to lead the entire conversation, even though it's his business. And yeah. he's getting, have, you ever, have you ever come across this? Yeah, all the time. It's not, I don't know what it is. If they've just got so much work they don't care or if they just don't have social skills. I don't know. I, I reckon it must be the social skills piece of the pie. Yeah. Because I end up invoicing myself. Like, it's ridiculous at the end it's of It's just it. one-word answers. It's like, and there's no commitment. It's like, oh, yeah, it could be, uh, yeah, I have to look into that and yeah, might, <laughs> might be able to do something around there. Well, can you or can you not do something yeah. there? <laughs> I find that really annoying. Yeah. It's, it's 90% of trade. If they call back, that's what it's like. Yeah. Very annoying. <laughs> the second thing, this is not so much annoying, but just a little bit uh I always find whenever I talk to someone who's over the age of say 55 hmm. they forget that, that the internet has been existed and so if someone <laughs> will go I was going to a guy's house who, who's late 50s and he went through a 37-step instruction process about how to get to his house forgetting that Google Maps exist yeah uh, <laughs> that happens all that happens to me not just with old people it happens to me with young people as well. And then I'll say halfway through, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'll just look it up on the map. Yeah, yeah, no, but you've got to go right at... uh," And they just go on and on. I'm like, yeah, I just... The phone tells me. Yeah, I've glazed over at step two and I'm just... I'm not listening anymore. also happens with, like, recipes. Like, my mother-in-law will often give me a recipe in a 48-step verbal instruction. Right. But... I'll just look it up I'm not gonna I'm not gonna remember this And you're every time No matter how often you say I'll just look it up They keep on going They have to finish Yeah It doesn't matter It's like when someone starts Telling you a joke And you're like Ah oh, yeah I've heard this one And then they just Have to finish the joke So they, then you're like <laughs> yeah. yeah You're giving this awkward Acknowledgement that it's funny But also nodding Because you know What's coming up And then <laughs> it's, Yeah yeah yeah, uh, that, yeah, was, yeah that was great When you I said that before that. Yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Um, any any gripes on your side of the fence this week? No, I'm gripeless this week. Which is oh, a nice. of a good week, I think, that is or vain. a bad week for the podcast, but <laughs> not bad. When I'm carrying the gripes, we're in trouble. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a really grippy guy as well, so <laughs> yeah, maybe next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we should we jump into it? Ah, yeah, why not? All right, so what, you, what do you look? So basically, at first? as we sort of hinted to or hinted at in the beginning, we've just got a few. Individual topics. It's a bit of a church extravaganza of topics here. So let's quick, let's get off with stigmata, which is pretty interesting, I reckon. Yeah. Here's for the Don's definition. All right. So stigmata in Christianity are the appearance of bodily wounds, scars, and pain in locations corresponding to the crucifixion wounds of Jesus Christ, such as the hands, wrists, and feet. So it's basically, op- essentially, it's open wounds is the most common one. Where, yeah, Jesus was supposed to be nailed, that's right to the cross. and it's 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 interpreted as a sign that you've been specially chosen by God to suffer the same wounds as his son. That's kind and of qui- the, the meaning of it. And quite a lot of them, as a result of that, end up getting sainted, which is, yeah, I guess that's a miracle. I don't know. Yeah, I think it fits in that category. So what did you discover about stigmata that you found interesting? Well, it's pretty sketchy, really. So there's been a few hundred instances of it over the years. The first one was Saint Francis of Assisi, which was fun fact, our dad's favourite saint. <laughs> so my middle name after Saint Francis. Yeah, and I thought Francis had a hint of girliness about it. Oh, don't get me started. Every <laughs> every relief teacher, when they would read out the role and they would read your middle name for a bit of a giggle. Yeah. And they were reading the because we were in the middle of the alphabet. And I came across Luke Francis. I've just gone, ah. Like, yeah, every I time hated I, I hated it. Hated it. Well, my Mine's Thomas. And I didn't even like Thomas. I think anything that's a middle name. Oh. But if you had a friend that... I would kill for Thomas. I would kill for Thomas. Oh. <laughs> my friend Nick doesn't even have a middle name. But oh. there was a guy Delightful. in my class, his middle name, I think it was his mother's maiden name, which was Paul Freeman. And when, I, when <laughs> that was called out in class, everyone looked around like in... It was like the best thing that had happened in their <laughs> <laughs> life. Can you believe it, Palfreeman? Uh. <laughs> and we didn't didn't let him hear the end of it. As as a Francis, I'm I'm taking Palfreeman any day of the week. Really, I'm in the corner yeah. just squeaking. It's it's an I, not an E. It's an I, not yeah. an E. <laughs> <laughs> so Francis was interesting because he was the first recorded case of stigmata, 1,200 years after the death of Christ. So there was yeah. no stigmata for ages. It wasn't happening. Yeah. Interesting. Let's, let's, just, let's just note that. Um, and so many stigmatics, is what they're called, have been exposed for using trickery. And there was a, quite a famous one, Magdalena de la Cruz, who was a nun who um, had stigmata. I feel like stigmata isn't the right way to say it. She had stigmata. Um, and she had that. And but then on her deathbed, she admitted or confessed that it was deliberate deception. Ooh. Yeah. But the biggest guy who would be more knowledgeable maybe is a guy called Padre Pio of Petrolcina. Nailed it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's like like you're a natural-born Italian. That was amazing. Uh, I'm I'm having some garlic bread. I'll be back in a minute. That was great. (laughs) So he lived from the late 1800s to like, I think he died in 1968. But he had, for the majority of his adult life, had open wounds on his hands. A lot of them also have like scratches on their forehead, which is meant to be from the crown of thorns. Mm-hmm. But the Padre, interesting fella. Did you look into? Oh, I did. I got stuck in Padre Town. Padre's a fascinating human. Ah, uh. how much? How much does he look like uh, Obi Wan Kenobi? Yeah. Look him up on uh, YouTube. Oh, sorry, on Google Images. If if you've got your phone handy, he looks a lot like him. He does. He was a very grumpy, uh, controversial figure, Padre. Yeah. He was also believed to be able to fly and be in two places at the same time. Yeah, to bi locate, it's called. Yeah. Two places one. Now this I remember speaking to this about my dad and my dad my dad was very religious and he completely bought into the whole Padre, the whole bi location thing. He brought it up to him numerous times. He was a believer in the in the bi location, yeah. He believed it, yeah. Whereas interesting because I obviously I'm more I'm more sceptical by nature. But it wasn't like he was also, um, you know, there was a lot of controversy at the time about Padre Pio. Like there were two popes who thought he was a fraud and a fake. And with his stigmata, there was, they investigated him. And the conclusion was, and this is a quote from the uh, report. He was yeah. a self-mutilating psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I read that as well. <laughs> That's uh that's damning. That is damning. And so this is the guy. He was examined multiple times by doctors. And I think they were actually, most of them were Vatican doctors. So put whatever weight in that you will. And they were always inconclusive. But some people came out saying that he used carbolic acid to make the wounds. Yes. And there was a guy called Sergio Luzzatto. Oh, hang on. Just uh, have another body of garlic bread there. Bloody hell. Yeah. Was now, weird. was that like really well pronounced or was it a little bit racist? I don't know. I'm going to go well-pronounced. I was impressed. Okay. Uh, Yeah, that guy. He sort of went through the Vatican's archive and found that Pio, Padre Pio, had requested carbolic acid from a pharmacist previously. Oh, the evidence is mounting. And apparently it was meant to be for sterilization. What the hell is the Padre sterilizing? (laughs) What's he doing in there? (laughs) Could he possibly be sterilizing? (laughs) (laughs) And then on another side note... Don was requesting to be called Padre Don for the bulk of this week, just uh, for the record. I'm signing it up. Feel free. (laughs) I'd appreciate it. The other bit of dodginess I found, and I'm not sure if you looked at this, but there were um, questions about his honesty raised when there were some writings found from an earlier stigmatic, they're called, Gemma Jalgani, past the garlic bread, who... (laughs) um, he had copied her experiences of stigmata word for word Yeah, he cut and paste Which is, he didn't even change a couple of words here or there Like we used to do at uni Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. i cut and paste And then instead of, I don't know, <laughs> Reported, it was posits yeah, you uh... <laughs> it was, Instead of couldn't, I said could not <laughs> Which was, it increased the word count And it also changed it So it wasn't plagiarism <laughs> Best it was that when that was presented to PO as well, look at this, you have copied this word for word. These are not your experiences. His response, and this is absolutely genius, he's gone, I don't know how this happened. Perhaps it was a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> what a manoeuvre. Yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a good fallback. He's fighting fire with fire. He <laughs> has played the church like a fiddle. It's interesting also, there was a guy there's a guy called James Randy who's a pretty well-known sceptic and I think he used to be a magician who then sort of went into exposing fraudsters or like people, scammers. Mm. So what, what he said was, he goes, it's interesting to note that in all such cases, the wounds in the hands appear at the palms, which agrees with religious paintings, but not with the actualities of crucifixion. The wounds should appear at the wrists. Ah, uh, yes. I read that as so, well. Yep. Checkmate. That's actually yeah. very interesting. So <laughs> it's such a good pickup. Yeah. It wouldn't it would be convenient if you had to cut your wrist to, uh, to be yeah. connected. That wouldn't be convenient. No. No. Nah. Yeah. There's no way, uh, you know, God is sitting back and projecting through the f- paintings rather than the actual. So, fair to say, got him. I think we got him. Yep. Absolutely. And the other the other bit of evidence against it is there is no piece of recorded evidence of the wounds appearing in real time. No one's ever been surveilled 24 hours a day to catch the wound starting yeah. that always happened outside of witness, which again is a bit of a red flag that this is all all self self created. Yeah. No no offense to anyone who's a stigmatic out there. <laughs> we have quite a good listenership in the uh, stigmatic <laughs> uh, community. So hi guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um let's case. let's crack on now. Okay, case closed on the stigma. Case closed. Let's say yeah. it's a scam. Done. Done. Okay, what's your next one? Speaking in tongues. Uh, Now, when I was doing research to speaking in tongues, I am actually quite interested in the whole phenomenon of speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. And I came across a National Geographic documentary, I think it was from 2000, called Touched by Jesus. Wouldn't be calling that that now. (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't call it that in 2021. (laughs) That's very inappropriate. (laughs) Good grief. Fair point. point. Um, But speaking in tongues, also known as Glossolalia, which is much funner to say, is a practice in which people utter words or speech-like sounds, often thought by believers to be languages unknown to the speaker, and it's meant to be sort of the Holy Spirit going through you and, for some reason, coming out your mouth. <laughs> 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 better than it. Better than any it's other orifice. <laughs> so much better than any orifice. <laughs> it could have been. It could have been much worse. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been much. Worse. <laughs> Why does it come out of the mouth? It's t- like, what are the odds? It chooses the mouth to come out of. I've been up all night with a bad case of glossolalia. Yeah. <laughs> glossolalia. <laughs> it's, it's like reflecting a state of mental possession. Is that the idea of it? I don't know if it's actually possession. Um it's more like the spirit moving through you. Yeah, right. That's what it says. Now, I, our listeners will know. I'm pr- once again. I think we're both reasonably skeptical. I'm a bit more skeptical than you. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, the, <laughs> the UFO episode uh, definitely put us in different different categories. <laughs> but look to the sky. All I'm saying is look to the sky. Sorry. Go. Yeah. Um, it didn't. I couldn't find it Really, any solid. There's obviously no evidence that it's the Holy Spirit, but. They've actually been, they've studied people speaking in tongues. They've hooked them up to EEGs, which sort of measure brain activity. And it's actually not, they don't really know what's happening. Were you, did you read one of those studies? I read one of them. It, <laughs> they concluded with more studies needed, more research is needed. <laughs> the bit that got me though was they went through this whole thing around, they took five people and they got them to sing a gospel song and then they got them to um, have, you know, talking in tongues yeah. And they looked at the, which parts of the brain were lighting up, and a lot of the language centers and the the higher order um, parts of the brain weren't lighting up for speaking in tongues, but they were lighting up for gospel singing, which was the control condition. Yeah. So they're kind of saying something different is going on here, and I'm like, well, oh, that's interesting. Small numbers, you know, you know, brain areas lighting up is, you know, it's you know, the brain. Isn't as simple as that, but that's interesting. But then I read a little section where it said one of the uh, a person called Miss Morgan, who was not only a co-author of the study, mm. but she was also a research subject. So okay. of, of the five you subjects, can't that. of the Hang five, twenty you- percent <laughs> of them were the investigators. Yeah and then on top of that, she was a born again Christian herself, who considers the ability to speak in tongues as a gift. I'm like, I don't okay. think this is, this is not independent <laughs> research we're dealing with. Hang here. on. What magazine was this published in? <laughs> Catholic Weekly, I think, was, I think is the answer to that. <laughs> Catholic Weekly. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was putting that research in the bin after that. That's, yeah, uh, look, me too. And to be honest, if that was the case, they must have been really trying hard to sort of prove something. wasn't convincing either way. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's the best you've got. But I actually know... I know two people that are in a religion that speak in tongues And I've spoken I've actually drilled them about it Because I'm fascinated by it Yeah And in one of them It could be both of them But one of them in particular If they don't speak in tongues They don't go to heaven Is the what's being taught Right So there's this massive um, pressure for them to speak in tongues So, so there's And a- I kept on drilling I'm like Yeah, it's a little bit made up there, right? Like you're just putting it on a bit and that one of the girls was like, no, no, no. And she'd stuck to her guns. The other one said, no, 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 a bunch of times. And then she just gave me a look, uh, which was is a, like... Was there a wink? A, a little bit. Yeah, there was like a bit of a wink. <laughs> <laughs> a glint in her eye. There's a glint in her eye that she just makes it all up. <laughs> but was the first person claiming it was involuntary? It was just something that was coming out? Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because I, I read a study where they looked at the the breakdown of the sound utterances and they could they could link all of them back to the person's natural language. So they oh, okay. the researcher yeah. was saying this isn't this isn't like you know sound formations that they don't normally use in spoken word. So their conclusion was this is something which is you know being manipulated to sound like talking in tongues, but it's yeah. using the same sound combinations as their normal language. So that, that was them saying, mm, sceptical. Yeah. So I actually jumped on YouTube and had a listen to people talking in tongues. Did you do that? No. Well, I did. And, <laughs> um, yeah, let's have a listen now. So here is a clip of someone speaking in tongues. Thank you, Jim. Now, I don't know what that is, but, like, even without the religious thing, it's actually pretty impressive. Like, it was, like, linguistically, like, it would be hard to do. Hang on, is this erring you towards... They were actually talking in tongues? No, not at all. No, I okay. just think it's imp- it's this impressive, impressive display of vocal technique. You know, like it's it's let difficult. Me, let me if you went to a if you went to a ceremony and they were like, you know, if you talk in tongues, you're going to get some good things in in later life. Mm. And everyone else is doing it. Hit me with yep. what your talking in tongues would sound like. It would sound like my impression of a magpie, <laughs> which is basically. <laughs> It's just that. It's, I just I would do a magpie. What would you do, having not <laughs> imagining you haven't heard? That's my favourite impression. impression the magpie. That is incredible. What would yours be like if you hadn't heard someone speaking tongues? What would you What would you bust out? Can I first try to do your magpie just for sure. my own? I would love you to. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Um I can't even do a talking in tongues. I I can we've uh we've we've uh we've done talking in tongues. Should we move on? <laughs> All right, we'll move on. So anyway, most likely nothing, but they can't categorically say absolute garbage like with uh stigmata. Yeah, good summary. Good summary. Yeah. What, what have you got what did you look at next? Uh next one I've got people that see Jesus in places you're not expecting. So like mm. in a chip or toast <laughs> or like a frying pan was another one. There's all these, and some of them are pretty cool. JC is popping up everywhere. Yeah, like the burnt remains on a saucepan. You go, that's ah, my time. This is it. <laughs> Second coming. Here we go. <laughs> nah, not the gumption. A- <laughs> <laughs> so this phenomenon of seeing faces in everyday objects is very common. Um, yeah, it's called face paradolia. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, like, social media pages dedicated to just putting up photos of things that look like faces. Where it's, like, the headlights of a car and the bumper sticker is the eyes and the mouth. And it's like, There's some really good ones. There's some really good ones. My yeah. favorite one is, do you know that, that classic coat, that coat hook that has two screws and then two kind of arms coming out the front of it? And everyone reckons it's, like, a drunken octopus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some actually. There's some really good ones there. I recommend everyone Google it. Uh, it's really good. It's very good. But it's also just like you know when you're looking at clouds and you sort of see objects in the clouds. That's all pareidolia. Yeah. But facial paradolia or face paradolia is just specific to faces. Like the there's that old picture of the Mars, the face on Mars. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they ended up with a better camera taking a photo of the same thing. And it's just a hill. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And that's and so the basic idea is because we're so attuned to looking for faces, because from an evolutionary perspective, it's helped us if you can pick a face out, whether it's a predator around the corner or in a bush or whether it's socially to try and interpret what's going on. Anytime we see two round things and like something that looks like a mouth, we will see a face in it because it's uh, it's better to have a false negative than a false positive. So we, yeah, we just right. see faces everywhere. And then when you have a religious belief, I reckon you're primed to look for religious significance. And so, if you see something that looks like a face, which we all do, and you're really religious, you put those two together and go, oh, that's probably Jesus. And that then makes you feel special because you're seeing Jesus, strengthens your relationship with God, which is like a validation proof point for your beliefs. So, that's, I reckon, how all that works together when you're seeing Jesus in toast. Strengthens your relationship with God. But you leave the table hungry. What an <laughs> asshole! You can't eat it. You got your last bit of toast probably, last bit before the crust. Who wants the crust? And it's like, ah, I can't eat him now. God damn it. <laughs> it does remind me of the time that... Do you remember when we had a, a box of Nutrigrain? Oh, I remember. And we pulled out a piece <laughs> and this piece of Nutrigrain was a dead ringer for E.T. Yeah, it was E.T. <laughs> it was amazing. It was insane. It was like... It was incredible. And delicious as well <laughs> i e.t e. was yum we deliberated for at least three minutes about whether to eat e.t or not and <laughs> in the end we ate him we <laughs> may have halved it even <laughs> it was like the time that i just did a uh, got a, a bit of pen on paper and just did a whole bunch of random squiggles and we looked at it and it was a dead ringer for e.t again another e.t we're seeing e.t everywhere that was that was actually even better than the nutrient <laughs> believe it or not it was not. unbelievable and all the rest of the crew just looked like dramatic shading yeah, like it was this. It was, that was actually your finest work. <laughs> I think that was the best moment of my life. It was really good. <laughs> I think it was the scribble et. But there was one of those cheese sandwiches. There was a toasted cheese sandwich that was said to have Mary, Jesus's. Ah, they never got married, did they? No. Hang on, hang on. Mary wasn't married to Jesus. Mary was no, Jesus's mum. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph's the one. Yeah. I hope mum doesn't listen to this because. <laughs> They sent us to Catholic school at great expense, <laughs> like and, I, and years I think of Jesus Catholic. was married to his mum. <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> Twelve years of Catholic school, and that's where it Twelve years of Jesus is married to his mum. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph doesn't get much of a mention, does he? What a disappointing role. If it was a sit- if it was like a, a play or a, or a show, he would be a minor supporting character. It's like they regretted. In- it's like when they have a character in an early episode of a sitcom and then he just disappears later. <laughs> they really regretted writing Joseph in, and he's gone. J- Joseph's going to pop back later, played by an entirely different actor. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> He's forgotten. Mary, she's stolen all the limelight. Anyway, she turned up on a toasted cheese sandwich. It sold on eBay for $28,000. Wow. Insane. That's amazing. Yeah. We had some um, water penetrating through our wall the other day. <laughs> like, what some, some dampness through the wall, which is not good. That's a separate issue I'll, separ- I'll sort out yeah. outside of the podcast. Yeah. But I kind of looked at it, and the way the drips were falling, I'm like... Mm. I can see how someone would look at that and think that was a like a female figure coming through the wall, right? <laughs> Bloody hell! But I didn't think that. Guess I'm not a silly sausage. Yeah, that's just, you're not a duffer. <laughs> not a duffer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else on seeing Jesus in things? Nah, not really. Just um, that's nah, just food, guys. Don't worry about it. Just <laughs> eat it and have a full tummy and be happy. <laughs> Alrighty. So I'll take the next one. Yep. Did you look into faith healing? I did not. This is that classic kind of evangelical thing where if someone's got an illness or an ailment or a disability, they go up to the uh, the stage and uh, the priest lays their hands on them and does a, a healing. And then they can all of a sudden they can walk again or they can yeah. see again. Um, and effectively, it's meant to be, you know, the divine presence has healed through the priest is the idea. Yeah. And I guess like everything we're discussing tonight All scientists and philosophers Kind of say this is This is rubbish This is absolute pseudoscience So what are your What are your thoughts about faith healing? Uh, Look I don't really Once again assume it's kind of just rubbish But it kind of reminds me of an episode of Remember the cartoon King of the Hill? Yes very good Where there was I think for some reason There was like a faith healing episode And someone had had the hiccups for like 20 years And she went there to get healed and he's there going, Big on and hold putting his hand on it and nothing happened. He tried it to Big On. Nothing happened. And then he waited like twenty seconds and just said, Big on like, tried to frighten her. <laughs> just, tried to frighten her just like the old thing where you frighten the hiccups away. Big on <laughs> It was really good. That's such a good show. That's good. Oh was so good. But uh, that's it, yeah. I haven't really, you know, I've looked up some a few videos on YouTube and it's pretty intense. Oh, It um, is, yeah, really intense. Yeah, so I don't know. What fascinates me is the people that do it, you know, they're shaking and they fall back to the ground and just some bunch of random people sort of catch them. But mm. are they in on it or are they, is there some psychology of it where they sort of get worked up in it? Yeah, well, there's, there's kind of two explanations for what's going on here. In situations where the the person genuinely has an improvement, two things. One is our old friend the placebo effect. Yeah, where they just their their belief in God and their belief in the healing powers of the priest actually make a therapeutic difference. So it's not it's not God's intervention. It's just the placebo effect and the power of belief and how that influences your mind and your body is one explanation. There's a great what's that about episode on placebo effect. Oh, one of the greats. Uh, I don't know what number, but have a look. It's good stuff. (laughs) stuff. The second one is spontaneous remission where whatever the ailment was or the condition was, they would have gotten better anyway. But through a number of faith healings, they're like, oh, this is really helping me. And by the end of it, I'm better now. Whereas if there was no faith healing, they would have been better anyway. And that's the kind of, and I think I've mentioned this on an old episode, but no one listens to them anyway, so I'll say it one more time. (laughs) is when we're talking about magnetic therapy or magnet therapy. Mm. And there's a lady who says, "Oh, I sprained my ankle and I put magnets on it and then 4 weeks later it was better." Yes. And she was she's <laughs> exactly attributing right. the magnets, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and even, like even though we kind of joke and and laugh about this, there is a very serious side to this because a lot of people um particularly in America, we got we got a surprising number of listeners in America. Um, I think we won't after this episode. Because yeah, there's, there's a lot true. of Highly religious people in America. And I have a feeling the numbers are going to drop off. That's true. But what's interesting is that so there's a lot of people around the world, not just America, around the world, who mm. don't go to normal medical treatments because there's, they're going to faith healers as the primary way that they're helping their children with whatever they're struggling with. And was so, it's a- like the GP, essentially. Yes, exactly right. They take them to the GP. And there was a study done in 1998 where they looked at 172 deaths amongst children who are treated by faith healing instead of conventional um, treatment mm. and the researchers estimated that well over 90 percent would have survived if they had have just gone the the normal traditional medical pathway which is horrific that's really sad and that's with a lot of the whole natural therapies and things people buy into it to a point where it's you know foregoing chemotherapy and things and they end up dying like steve jobs Famously did that. Yeah, he was a, bit of a hippie and yeah. died. But yeah, imagine like most of the time when I go to the GP, I'm just going for a sick certificate. Do you reckon they're doing that? <laughs> just go kind of to the faith healer. Yeah, look, I'm just pretending to have a headache. You just give me a. just pretend to heal me and give me him. <laughs> I just want a long weekend. Just come. Give back. me a piece of paper. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> and so the the thing that relates to. This faith healing, but I guess all of the topics tonight, and lots of the topics we discover, is this this new effect. And you know, I love an effect. Yeah, oh, love relish an effect. Relish effect, effect. <laughs> <laughs> called the Lord's effect, which is a, a term a skeptic has created for the observation that supernatural powers always seem resistant to manifesting themselves in a clear and an um, and ambiguous fashion. And it, it it comes from um, Lords in Italy where there's that healing magical water that apparently people who go there and splash themselves with it uh, are recovered yeah and he's like if if you know if Lord's truly is is all-powerful and magical water it should work the same on a seven arm as it does for you know improving your your limp like it should be it should be clear and not ambiguous and he's like yeah you know, photographs of the Loch Ness Monster and the Yeti Are always blurry and black and white And things that are supernatural are never presented in a clear, unambiguous way mm. Which is called the the Lord's Effect He did have a little footnote saying Except for UFOs, because they're definitely real But other than that, Lord's <laughs> Effect <laughs> Good grief <laughs> um, Luke has jumped down the biggest UFO hole you've, rabbit hole you've ever seen I'm just being inundated with UFO videos. (laughs) I, I, I know I went too far down the rabbit hole when I listened to a podcast. And they interviewed someone who I find quite interesting and credible But then the next episode they had a and a Q&A with their audience I had to tap out It was too much even for me <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was too much just... that, You're one of them I'm not that, one of them You're one of them I'm a scientist undergoing a series of investigations I am not one of them Alrighty, before we move on to our social etiquette segment Let's just take a moment to bask in the fact that Don thought that Mary was married to Jesus <laughs> <laughs> It was a slight <laughs> error in memory did not <laughs> <laughs> you have to admit though joseph is an absolute non-event <laughs> he is he there needs to be a musical based around joseph's life like hamilton he's like the, he's the forgotten man that actually did some great things <laughs> all right so on the other side of this jingle we'll have a social etiquette segment hang on a minute hmm. wasn't it a virgin birth who the hell's joseph I here we go. <laughs> we're going to the rabbit hole. Who the hell was Joseph? It was meant to be a virgin birth. So this is the thing. So my understanding, and Mum needs to phone in and correct us. Yeah, Mary and Joseph were a couple, and then Mary rocks up one day and says, "I've got a baby," and he's like, "Whose is it?" And then it was the <laughs> it was the immaculate conception. That's the whole thing. So Joseph's like, Are you sure? And she's like, Absolutely. And he's like, Really? She's like, Defi- <laughs> definitely. <laughs> he's that, a he's a he's a very strong man to go along with that narrative. He sure is. But what how come they didn't have sex? That's the question. <laughs> that's, I can't that's, answer I can't answer that. Delve into that relationship. That's a bit weird. <laughs> Because, you know what, there's no religious reasons, it was before Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what was their reasoning? <laughs> there's no shame yet. Shame doesn't exist before Jesus. <laughs> you make some good points. You make yeah, some very good that is points. fascinating. Anyway, sorry, I hijacked, I hijacked the intro for the social etiquette. On with the show. <laughs> Hit the music. If you've got a social problem that makes you want to run and hide, then we recommend you listen to Luke and Don's Etiquette Guide. Luke and Don's Etiquette Guide, if you want. Alrighty. Uh, social etiquette this week, Don, is mm. actually a listener suggestion. A One of the What's That About Tolerators has written in with a great, <laughs> uh, great suggestion of you know the scenario when someone is coming, holding back. in another burp. I am again. I'm <laughs> your... <laughs> you need to just take a moment and treat it as a dramatic pause. So you're just powering through. You, it sounds weird. Your eyebrow raised, and I am oh, in trouble here." And you pounced. You did not miss a beat. <laughs> no. Nah. So one of our uh, one of our listeners, Evie Stealing, very very loyal, one of our great listeners, has come forward with a scenario when. Someone's come over to your house for a meal or a catch-up, mm. but they just stay way too long. And particularly when you've got, you got kids that need to get to bed or you're just tired or they've just been there too long. How do you yep. get someone to leave your house? What do you do? What are your tactics? I What I do is I let it be extremely obvious that there's no conversation left. So I'll try and fabricate awkward silences. <laughs> So I'll answer with like one or two words. I won't offer any continuing conversations. Um, It just gets so awkward, they have to leave. It's awkward them out. Yeah. Or the other thing is, is depending on what time of day it is, you just start doing, well, like once you're doing your daily housework, like putting your washing on, doing the washing up, and they're following you around, they've got to get the hint, surely. I once had someone come over and they arrived at 11 a.m. And at about three p.m., I was like, "I reckon this this is over. Like this is this is already gone long enough." So I stopped initiating any new conversation points and yeah, responded. So you did my trick. I, did, I did your trick. Yeah. From three until four thirty, I had not said ah. a word, and I was still there. And then I started getting dinner ready, doing the what? And this was on a Sunday, so I'm like, "I got to get ready for the week." I was going about all my routines, and they were just chilling on the couch. Watching me go about my preparations for the week, and still talking there, still talking. This is the, you have to go one step further. Have a shower, see if they follow you in. <laughs> go to bed. It's, he'll just he'll either snuggle up next to you or he'll take get the hint and leave. I was speaking to someone during the week about this dilemma, and they were at someone's house, and this person did the most aggressive strategy I've ever heard. So the, the, this this has happened twice to them. The first time, the person whose house they were at said to them, I guess you'll be wanting to be back home for dinner now. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's aggressive. Yeah, there's always the classic one where you're speaking to someone on the phone and you're done with it. You just want to get off and get about with your life. So you do the classic, oh, I better let you go. Yes. And they no one's ever going to go... No, I don't need to go. I'm fine. You know, like <laughs> yeah. so. That's the universal sign: is I got to go, but what? I'll pretend I'm doing you a favour when, in fact, I'm doing myself the favour. Exactly right. Yeah. What is the house version of that when you can't leave your house? Can you just say the same thing? I'm, well, I'd better let you go. I would better let you go. <laughs> doesn't seem to. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't seem to fit. Doesn't quite gel, does it? Yeah. I'm gonna go and do a poo, and I might be sometime. Anything in that territory. <laughs> That could, I reckon that person that was hanging around would probably go in with you. Like, I'm a good wiper and I can distribute fragrance intermittently to <laughs> a courtesy flush. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I think ultimately, yeah, you want to get out of it without hurting their feelings. And I think slightly doing some boring home kind of upkeep stuff art ah, stuff, or just I, fabricating uh silences the i reckon the only hard out you have without risking their feelings is the old oh i'm so sorry i'm gonna have to go to bed in a minute because i've got to get up early tomorrow yeah that's the only line i can comfortably say as a very non-assertive person that i that feels okay but then did he say, it's 4.30 in the afternoon, yeah. Luke. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm working brekkie radio. I need to... Yeah. <laughs> <premise> radio. <laughs> Got to keep the sizzle up. <laughs> I'm hosting today with Carl. I need to get my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Okay. Any other thoughts on this This one? Nah, no, not really. If anyone has any better ideas, I'm genuinely interested. Uh, reach out. What's that about? At Outlook.com or on Instagram uh, and Facebook. It is. I was gonna. I was gonna roll out the Instagram sort of username. I can't remember it. Just look up what's out about podcast. <laughs> so professional. Yeah. Because I, I, I genuinely do struggle with this one, so I would really appreciate some tips. Yeah. All right. So that is a that's a full episode. We've covered a lot it's of truffles. ground tonight. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts before we head off? No, I don't think so. Just the usual. Um, <laughs> we bloody love getting reviews, and <laughs> getting a bunch of them. Uh, it's good for our ego. Just. Go on, do it. Please. Do it. <laughs> if, if you've been sitting in the in the shadows listening for a while now and haven't had the uh, you know the the courage to to reach out, now's your time. Do it this week. Do it this week. You know what gets people motivated? Mm. Calling it the What's That About review challenge. Oh yes. We challenge you to give us a review. I think we've got like fifty or sixty ratings, which okay. is very nice. But I don't know, maybe twenty or thirty reviews. Maybe maybe they're just too chicken. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, look, nah, they probably couldn't do it anyway. Nah, it's too hard for them. They don't yeah. know how to log on. They couldn't do it. Now nah, it's fine. Don't worry about it, guys. It's fine. Not a it's big a, deal. Uh, uh no, that's about it. Thanks for listening. Another episode done. Edging up towards hundred. <whistles> Who would have thought? Started in twenty fifteen. We're at, this is episode seventy-six. We are we are averaging about six or seven episodes a year, but we're getting there. We are getting there. <laughs> we'll do something special for a hundred. Probably not. But we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> Alrighty, well, let's call it a night. Have a good one. We'll catch you next time. See you guys, bye.